This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to Bethlehem.Church slash backslash slash. What is that? Is that a forward slash? Forward slash self. There we go. I got it out. Good job, Nick. Thanks. You're hosting today. I guess. Great. Yeah. How you guys doing? It's sunny, but cold. That's yes. how I'm doing. I'm Great. sunny, but cold. All right. <laughs> Describing the state of his heart. <laughs> it's more like my body, less so my heart. Okay. Maybe that too. I don't know. Dave, how are you? I'm doing well. We have Stacy with us today too. Hi, Stacy. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Did you guys hear the news out of Green Bay yesterday? Yes. What was said news? Aaron Rodgers is back, baby. Stacy, does that excite you as much as it does us? No, it doesn't. You just don't care. I really don't care. All right, that's fine. <laughs> that was good communication skills. You just very just being honest. Targeted. Yep. Very yep. Di- very direct. Yep. Great. I don't really. I I didn't think through a random question. Do you have a random question, Daniel? <clears throat> I have a follow up to one of your last random questions. Ooh. Scary. Go. Um, the amount of sleep y'all get. <laughs> Just want to express a little concern as the counselor in the room about the amount of sleep you're getting. I've been getting more sleep than that particular iteration of my life. Oh, good. I'm so, glad to hear it. I think I got like six and a half hours last night. I get plenty of sleep. Thanks again, <laughs> Nick, for that note. We appreciate you so much. Yep. <clears throat> But hey, that's a great segue of what we're uh, oh maybe we talk about today. We haven't had Sleep. any we we haven't had any new podcasts like the one that was released last week on Elder Summits was recorded like a month ago. <clears throat> but why haven't we been doing podcasts, Nick? I don't know why. Dave, it seems like you're trying to get at something specific, and I don't know what you're t- talking why about. Why hasn't it happened? Weren't weren't you sick? I was sick. Were you sick? No. It's my fault then. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> and Ethan was out of town. Ethan's not yeah. with us today. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's what's going on. Great. So <laughs> Daniel didn't think that through. I think Daniel's still hosting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what I was saying is that the amount of sleep that we get is a good segue to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Because I'm single and I don't have kids. <laughs> Whereas you guys recently attended a marriage retreat where you talked about communication. And this is, we're gonna this is great. We're gonna talk about um good communication. And not just within the context of marriage, but some of the principles that you touched on in the marriage retreat and how they might apply um to everyday life and just good Christian communication. So I don't know, Daniel, do you just want to set the table for us? Like what were the categories that we talked about, um, about communication in the marriage retreat? And then we can go from there. Yeah. Lots of categories we talked about. So Dave gave two talks. I gave a talk and certainly all of it was geared in the direction of marriage. But, um, I mean, what I say in premarital counseling, marital counseling is good communication is the ability to say what you want to say without threat of either like anger or misunderstanding like that you can assert what you want to say and that can be reciprocated by the other person without there being like this broad threat of like this will go bad now you've got to work towards that 
um, obviously over time. And each person's communication styles and skills will vary. But that's the essential component is I'm able to say what I want to say and it can be received, even if it's hard. Um, so that's uh, kind of my base definition. Would you define good communication differently? Anybody in the room? Or did you define it any differently when you talked at the marriage retreat? Uh, when I talked, I talked about reflecting God in his speaking and listening. So in the Bible, we see God create and sustain life when he speaks, keep his promises when he speaks, tell the truth when he speaks. And so we talked about how do we reflect God in his speaking in those ways, uh, creating and sustaining life with our words. The Proverbs talk a lot about uh, creating life and bringing life with your words, um, keeping our promises, telling the truth, speaking the truth in love. That was a category that we talked about, how God speaks. And then imaging in him in his listening, so being uh, an eager listener. God tells us to pour out our hearts before him, tells us to come boldly to his throne of grace. He says, ask and seek and knock. So we just that was, that was my main talk on Friday night, was just how we image God in his speaking and in his listening. And if we do that, I think we're basically doing what Daniel just talked. Maybe, maybe the ingredient to mix in that Daniel's getting at too is that those are Genesis 1 and 2, you know, image of God kind of things. Genesis 3 happens, sin comes in, and then to have happen what Daniel was talking about, I think there has to be a deep rootedness in the gospel. So lots of our own rest and identity in Jesus as we speak and we listen and lots of grace extended to the other person as they speak and they listen as well. Yeah. So in other words, God is a really, really good communicator. And so we should seek to image him and model, use him as a model in how we seek to listen and seek to talk to other people and communicate, grounding it in God himself. Is that accurate? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. 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 That's great. Um, So Stacy especially as you are involved in, you know, counseling cases and things like that, when you talk about communication, what are some of the, the groundwork categories that you lay for people? Well, I was just thinking as I was listening to Dave and Daniel too, like to back up a little bit, and it's connected to what Dave was saying, but what is the purpose of our communication? And when we look at God, you know, I think he wants to make himself known to us and we're made in his image, so we're able to communicate with him and with others. And for, it's for the purpose of knowing, knowing one another. And so um, I think just to like have that understanding of why do we do this, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, whatever relationship we're in, it's for the purpose of letting ourselves be known and then also knowing other people in order to love them. What was your question, though? I mean, are just, <clears throat> I mean, sp- more specifically, are there certain groundwork uh, categories that you lay for people? Like, these are the basics of communication. Maybe when someone comes in and there's a roadblock or they're talking past each other, what are some of the basic principles that you might lay? Um, well, I would say, first of all, just humility, you know, before the Lord, um, having humility to really listen to one another. And um, listen in a way to, you know, that you're able to speak back to them what they've said accurately. So it's not just, 
you know, listening for information, but listening to really understand um, is foundational. And I think active honesty, sonar. What's that? Active sonar, active listening. Right. Like not just Ping. listening and thinking of how you're going to respond, you know, while you're kind of listening to the person, but really listening in order to understand. Um, and I think then honesty is a foundational element of communication that we want to communicate what's true about ourselves or what the person said. Um, I think those are just a couple. Do you guys have any others coming to mind? Those are great. I'm just thinking of this analogy on the fly. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to use it. It's like two submarines. Don't want to be just a passive listener with your torpedo tubes loaded, ready to shoot. You want to be an active listener, pinging the other person saying, Here's where I am. Is that where you are? Without your torpedo tubes loaded. Sorry, Unfred October enthusiasts. That's just. That's that's great, Daniel. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I'm actively <laughs> listening to, to Stacy and yep. reflecting that. So as part of active listening, here's a question that <coughs> I sometimes hear when people are at roadblocks for communication is someone says something. And they intend to say something, and then the person who is hearing them doesn't hear the same thing that they intended to say. So is there, in communication, is there often a difference between intended meaning and then what someone hears? And if that's the case, how can someone, how can you overcome that type of communication problem? I just want to say, you're really good at this, Nick. Like, these are great host questions. You should do this more often. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate okay. it. Uh, I'll... I'll try to answer your question. Thank you. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, I would say two things about that. Uh, often we talk about uh, intent and impact. And so I think uh, one of the, as a speaker, uh, we have our intentions and then we have our, the impact that our actual words make. So sometimes in those situations, um, the speaker says something and they mean something. And, and sometimes it really could Either they meant something harmlessly or they meant something positively and it gets taken a different way. And I think it's important for a speaker to be able to, to clearly restate their intent, try again, use different words, try to be more clear from, this, from a place of love. We want the other people to understand us. And, but also to recognize the impact that the words had and sort of say, well, I'm, I'm genuinely sorry that when I said that it made you feel that way. Um, and I can understand, you know, why it made you feel that way. Let me, let me try again. So that'd be from the speaker side. Mm -hmm. From the listener side, I think that what we're after is really understanding authorial intent. So I often use the analogy of when we, when we study the Bible, uh, we don't just study to try to see how it makes us feel. We study to say, what, is, what did the author mean? We want to understand what God was saying through the author, what was the real point being made here, and then... We can make applications, and similarly in a, a marriage or in any relationship, we want to understand what the person is saying and work to understand that. So if we're, if we're fuzzy or if we get it wrong the first time, the, the heart would be, I, I want to get it. I want to really understand what you were saying if I got it wrong. Where it gets tough is that uh, communication patterns are often... Uh, kind of a spiral. So I don't listen well, 
you don't speak very well, we don't go back and fix it, and now we do that for six months, and all of a sudden we wake up and we don't trust each other. Sure. Um, and, and that can happen in any relationship. In any relationship, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Marriages, friendships. Uh, I mean, I think I think it happened like on steroids in the last two or three years in all sorts of families with politics, sure. with mm-hmm. social issues, um, where they just just talked past each other and didn't hear each other and, and assumed a lot of things. So, so I think the in everyday communication where there's kind of a base level, everything's okay. It's just like, okay, let me say that differently. Sorry that hurts you. I'm going to try again. Oh, yeah, I want to understand you. I'm, I forgive you for the poor way you said it. Let's try again. Um, but what, where it gets difficult is where you've got sometimes months or years or whatever of distrust and, and hurt and pain that's been built up where it, it's just hard for people to want to do that anymore. Right. Yep. Stacy, do you have anything, anything to add? I think one of the th- other things I was thinking about was just giving people the benefit of the doubt or not assuming the worst. You know, maybe I hear something a certain way and I, you know, in the moment it's like, it impacts me negatively, but if I just wait a little bit before responding and I just kind of let my maybe emotions cool down a little bit, um, it's easier to kind of think and give grace to the person and like give them the benefit of the doubt. Like they probably didn't mean it that way. Um, or go back and clarify with them, like, what did they mean instead of assuming the worst mm-hmm. right away? That doesn't mean don't be discerning but or hear what they're really saying, but just to clarify and to not judge based on my the impact on me alone. Right. So sometimes I think it can be helpful um, if you're experiencing some sort of difficulty in communication and this type of miscommunication is happening – for the listener to just stop before they respond and say, okay, this is what I heard you say. Yep. So, and then try to restate what they think that they heard and then just say, is that what you meant? And if you can just start to think that way and make that kind of a first instinct to try to restate the thing that you heard them say, then that gives them a chance to clarify. And and then that might give some time and space for the temperature to come down yep. as well. Yep. So in yeah. those instances when maybe there isn't that trust present because six months have transpired or whatever um, might be the case, how do you work back when granting all these tactical decisions and ways to, or even just ways to think about another person? What, you know, that especially works if you trust them. If you grant that opportunity to another person hey, come back and clarify with me what you meant. Um, but then you don't actually trust that what they're telling you is either accurate or the whole picture or whatever. How do you work towards trust when there's been a breakdown in, in trust and consequently in communication? You know, you got you to gotta take more time uh, to backtrack and get it all on the table. Uh, I think oftentimes, my experience is oftentimes if it hasn't been working for six months or a year or longer, and you know, this could be, this could be a marriage, this could be a friendship, this could be a small group, you know, this could be anything. My experience is if it hasn't been going well for a while, it's not likely that it's going to go well with just the two of you or just, you know, the opposing sides of whatever the issues are. 
I mean, my encouragement would be if you're starting to feel those things and it feels like it's gotten away from you a little bit, to get help. Uh, get some help from a trusted person that both sides would be confident, loves them, is for them, wants reconciliation, wants the gospel to shine again in their relationship. And it's been amazing to me how often like a low, you know, a low grade kind of mediation with just some some basic ground rules of kindness and listening and someone that can guide the time can make, you know, can really shore up some of the deep wounds that have happened. Um, that'd be one, that'd be one thing to say. Another thing would be, you know, uh, just, it's going to take more time together. And I think to, to Nick's point, you know, even more, than just restating, there are some times where you're going to get to a spot in a conversation where you realize we're just not going to solve it right now. And you might need to say, hey, let's go, let's let's leave, let's pray about it for a month, let's talk again in a month. You know, let's let's set a time where we're going to deal with this later because it's not getting solved now and, and we just emotionally, it's too ramped up. So like I have a, I have a rule in counseling sessions where people are struggling and it could be, I don't, I don't just mean marriage counseling, I just won't go longer than an hour and a half. We just cut it off because I've just found through, you know, hundreds of hours of counseling that after an hour and a half, it starts to get emotionally exhausting and tired and we generally get counterproductive. So I'll say, well, I guess we got to meet again. So, so I think even those, those things to start working towards getting help and making time and making appointments and intentional ways to follow up again. Yeah. And I think a, a a general principle too in rebuilding trust <clears throat> is that it does take time and there's probably wisdom in taking a break from things like Dave said too. And also trust can help you to rebuild um, if the words that you're saying are bore out over time with actions. So the more that you can back up what you're saying with, and I'm going to show you by the way that I'm acting here to prove that like I can, I'm actually meaning what I'm saying. If you can do that over time, I think that that's one of the basic building blocks of building trust. It's not just words, but like, and I'm going to show you by what I do. So, the idea of yep. bear fruit in keeping with <clears throat> repentance. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just one more final question. We, we've talked about a few scriptures here: bearing fruit, keeping with repentance. We could talk about being quick to listen, slow to speak, uh, slow to speak, quick to listen. I can't remember how exact. Slow to become angry. Yeah. Um, are there any other <clears throat> just really important scriptures that you would want to ground communication as a Christian in? You know, I think maybe even one that pops to mind is eager to maintain the spirit of unity and the bond of peace, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Um, and so that should like inform how we communicate. Like we are united in Christ and therefore we need to work to maintain that unity in our communication. Are there any other just like these are foundational scriptures that we can build our communication on. I think 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21, um, I shared that at the marriage retreat, um, is foundational in terms of like, if you treat it purely like um, the task of good communication is up to two people without the understanding that the Holy Spirit is present in each person. It can become a very transactional, like, oh, you did poorly. Uh, okay, I retreat. Oh, you did well. Okay, I get almost a, uh, you know, 
you earn your way that way. And trust is earned. That's true. But there's a kind of category that a Christian should have for another Christian that is eschatological in nature, like last times, end times, like like my sin, their sin, my poor communication, their poor communication will be swallowed up in victory. Victory over death, victory over sin, in such a way that what they are now, they will not be. So I use the analogy of like if you knew that you were uh, – you move into the dorm room, first day of college, and that door, that roommate, oh man, uh, not a good fit. Well, imagine you've got a whole eternity with them. And you're like, ah, oh, that's the worst. No. But, <laughs> but if you have the great and precious promises of God, that they will someday be a sinless version of themselves, and you will be too, then there's hope for the long journey, including the short iteration of it. So Mm -hmm. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21 says it this way. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. This is Paul speaking about what's happened after he came to Christ. And then he is talking about how he regards other Christians. Um, Not even, although I think there are implications for non-Christians, he's speaking very directly about what he thinks about other Christians. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is gospel grounding to be able to say in a relationship, I'm not counting your trespasses against you because Christ doesn't and gives not a pass, uh, not like an alternative version of reality, like uh, we know how it really is. But then there's this pseudo-spiritual version of reality. But no, that the word that Christ speaks over my brother or sister is a bigger deal, a stronger word than what I might be perceiving in the moment. Yeah, that's great. Dave? I mean, the ones that come to my mind are speak the truth in love, speak in a way that would give grace to those who hear. So I think, and I think, I think those would make us pause even before we say true things, to say, is this is this timely? Is this a word fit for season? Is this uh, is this loving? Is my motivation to love them towards Christ and His mm-hmm. glory, or right. is this motivation to get my way or Vindictive. make them feel mm-hmm. bad or prove that I'm right? So I think that those things get at just the the pause to check our own hearts before we speak and say, where is this coming from? Out of the out of the treasure of your heart, uh, the mouth speaks. Be another place I'd go to say what's coming out, you know. Uh, examine so that our communication would would be kind of a pathway back to our own hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so those would be those would be some I'd go to, and, and and kind of the banner over all those is we're called to to love as Christ loved us. Yep, and and he's like you said earlier, you know, he's the best communicator because he's the most infinitely knowledgeable and thoughtful and wise communicator. In the universe, and yep. so we want to we want to mimic that in as much as we can. Awesome, Stacy, give you the final word. Great, 
Well, a couple of mine were already shared, but I thought of Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And I just love that image um, that our words bring sweetness and life, you know, and wholeness to others. And so just there's a lot of power in our words and we want to be using them to, you know, reflect the Lord, like has already been said and give life to others. Amen. All right. Thanks guys. Appreciate yeah, the thanks, conversation. Sir.